Computer, initialize Holosuite. to another episode of The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast brought to you exclusively on Holosuite Media. I am but one of your hosts, Chris Hill, and with me is Kyle West, as usual. So we'll go with usual this time instead of as always or almost always. How you doing, Kyle? <laughs> Spicing it up. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I am really excited for this discussion and the next couple of weeks, actually, um, coming off of this yeah. one. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing good. I got my uh, my birthday coming up. I'm trying to think of when this one's going to release. It might be quite close to it, uh, but you know the big three five thirty five approaches yeah. for me, and uh, which is uh, I'm I'm past being depressed about my <laughs> age, but it is going to be my second birthday in lockdown, so um, that's uh, uh, quite sobering as well. Yeah. Um, and speaking of sober, as we do this, I am. Uh, continuing to not drink any alcohol in 2021 and all right i'm very proud of myself for that feat anyway uh, not that i was drinking much in the last year or two uh, but you know this this year's already you know dealing with uh, the lockdown blues and uh you know my dog passing away um, some um loss in the family uh, on on Kay's side and uh, and i've stayed away from even one beer so I'm uh, proud of myself, man. How have you been? There you go. Been been doing real well. Uh, got a couple things in today from uh, Amazon that I used with my good old tax return. So, oh yeah, I, I forgot you were showing me that before we yeah. got going. So uh, Enterprise is represented in your little hall of things you got. Yep, got myself a new Enterprise T-shirt. That's pretty much just the the uh, the pat the side patch logo. So, and the main one. It's very sexy. Yeah. Um, got I'm very jealous. <laughs> got a couple of the uh, or the first two available year five omnibuses for for the uh, original series, the the comic book version, the comic books that is. Uh, got me a original series mask and the animated series uh, companion. So, just don't know how the companion is. You know, I'm looking at uh, mm-hmm. asking. Katie for my birthday to get me that you know the new DS9 one that's just come out and the like yeah. illustrated handbook or something I really want to get my hands on that and also the the Voyager book that came out uh, not too long ago the I think it's the 25th anniversary celebration uh, book so um, I kind of just want to yeah I just want to sink my teeth into a big Trek handbook so I'm a bit jealous of you with that animated uh, Trek one yeah definitely coffee table worth if if you indeed have a coffee table, so. uh, I I do now. I have two now actually, which I never I never oh, used hey. to have one, but now I, <laughs> now I have two. Yeah, um, it's just funny enough when you talk about getting stuff from Amazon. I had a uh, important parcel come today that has um, really made me happy. Okay. Basically, I'm a bit of a DVD collector. Always have been, um, and uh, so I I love all the Arrowverse shows. So for people who don't know those, that's like the mm-hmm. 
the DC comic shows that are on the CW network. And one of those shows is Black Lightning. And uh, the first season was released in the UK on Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, so I always get Blu-ray. But the second season was never released on Blu-ray in the UK. It was only on DVD. Uh, so it annoyed me that I had a Blu-ray of one season and the DVD of another <laughs> uh, for season two. And like it really annoyed me because it meant that when I put my shelves up, when I was redecorating my lounge um, just before Christmas, uh, the shelves only fit Blu-rays on them, uh, not DVDs. Oh. So I couldn't put Black Lightning up there with, with the rest of the Arrowverse uh, DVDs. So I two days ago, I don't know why I never thought of this sooner, but I went on Amazon and did a little search for uh, a blank Blu-ray case, uh, which would have three disc holder inside it for the three DVDs. Uh, and so I ordered one. So it's uh, so that came today. And although it broke my heart, I took the sleeve out of my Black Lightning uh, Season 2 DVD, mm-hmm. uh, trimmed, it, trimmed it down to size, 15 centimeters. Uh, so I had to cut about maybe an inch or... Uh, all thereabouts off the bottom of it uh, of the artwork and then uh, I slipped that into the into the blu-ray case I put the dvds into it as well and now it sits proudly alongside uh, black lightning season one's blu-ray and on my shelf now don't get me wrong if I look too closely at the case even from the side I can see that I have cut through a little bit of uh, the logo for dvd actually but uh, I am and I know they're not blu-ray but it's really satisfied my soul having uh, having it into a Blu-ray uh, case on there. So um, that was my that was my big happy moment from today. All right, uh, yeah. Uh, don't forget to uh, rate us and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. We we definitely enjoy those five star ratings, and if you feel so inclined to leave a review on there as well, we appreciate that. We haven't gotten anything new in recently, have we? Kyle? Uh, no, not I've seen through. Um chartable uh, which i don't think has been updating properly anyway but we've had uh we ha- have had some more ratings on there uh five star ratings but okay. uh, no actual text reviews uh, for a little while uh, we do have some reviews on podcastaddict.com, which i think i was looking through uh recently okay. where um it, it seems chris that people online think that we know what we're talking about when it comes to <laughs> enterprise now i'm i'm if if they only knew the truth, yeah, right? Yeah, I know, right? We're <laughs> just winging it uh, completely. Uh, kind of what like the NX-01 crew were doing when they first went yeah. out there. Into, But, you know, we're, what's this, episode 35 now? Uh, it yep. always strikes me as incredible that we're this far in. You know, that we've got the big one-year anniversary coming up soon. Mm-hmm. And, and we've managed to keep the show as a weekly show, which um, no other show is doing hollow sweet media yeah you know, we are the i think we're the only one that has done that from from uh from day one and... yeah and we've, we've stuck to it so i'm incredibly proud of the work that we're doing and the patreon as i was saying last week is, is growing with um people just jumping on board and wanting to be part of the little sort of community that we're trying to build and, and enterprise is just getting so popular now i mean my phone yeah. my phone lights up every day with on Facebook with the, the like Star Trek Enterprise fan groups and such. Mm-hmm. And it's just people saying, oh, my God, I'm on my first, you know, run through of this show and it is getting better and better and better. And it's just people now finding out what we've known all along, Chris, which is that Enterprise is one of the right. best Star Trek shows. You know, it, well, for me, it is the best Star Trek show. So. 
Yeah, I gotta say, and speaking of, you know, our Patreon supporters, uh, we want to th- thank all you guys, especially, yeah, our new joins. I mean, technically, we could do this without you, but we definitely prefer it when we've got people that we know support us other than, you know, likes and re- retweets. You guys like to, to put, put your money where your, your support is, and we de- definitely appreciate that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it helps us to get the show in front of other people uh, with uh, mm-hmm. adverts online and things like that. So um, we appreciate we appreciate your support, as always. Yep, and uh, I'm going to say we'll go ahead and drop our details if you'd like to become a Patreon supporter uh, right here. If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron. Visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash nx01podcast. There you can view our subscription tiers. Some of the benefits of becoming a patron include early access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and so much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all of our existing patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we would be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Again, visit patreon.com slash nx01podcast for more details. You will also be able to find the website link in the details of this podcast episode. Welcome back, guys. Uh, this week, as actually one of our, our patrons guest is we're, we're starting to do our uh, Augment trilogy. So we're starting here with uh, with Borderland. Um, I think it was Greg, wasn't it, who guessed? Yeah, I think it was. And this is ridiculous. So uh, let me just tell a quick story for everyone. I put an update into the uh, the Patreon page and just you know, thanking everyone for the support and giving a little bit of sort of idea of what's coming up on the show uh, you know when or when are we going to tackle the, the famous season three which uh, you know listeners to us from day one will notice that we haven't done a single episode yet from season three and uh, and i put just the plans for the the coming weeks and i mentioned uh, last week's episode the seventh specifically and then i mentioned that we would be tackling a three-parter from season four and i didn't want to name it because i kind of wanted to leave it up in the air right as a mystery and then I went to bed and then I woke up <laughs> and and Greg had already commented and guessed that it was going to be uh, the Augments arc. So uh, that was a failed attempt at being mysterious on my part. But well done, Greg. You uh, you read read our minds for where we're, where we're taking this show. And Chris, I'm just loving some of these uh, multiple episodes we're doing now. Like the... Yeah. We just come off the back of doing Shockwave a month or mm-hmm. two ago. Uh, parts one and two, and then you know a month before that we were doing the uh, the Borg three parter that we did. So it's it's nice on this show to be, you know, we could easily sit here and say let's just do all three episodes of the Augments arc in one week. But I yeah. I kind of like that we're taking our time through it. It feels like uh, it feels like how Enterprise did it, you know. Um, we're yeah, gonna, and we're giving each episode the uh, the attention that they deserve. So hopefully, if you're listening to this. Uh, you agree with us and you appreciate our approach yeah definitely and you know kind of going into to borderland uh basic plot is we start actually on a klingon ship um with with and we get our first uh guest appearance by uh jg hertzler 
playing. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about what that. I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, uh, what I'm going to assume is maybe an uncle of uh, General Martok. You know, long distant uncle. Was this his final appearance in, I, in live action I Trek? I know, obviously, he's done uh, voice work on Lower Decks, but I yeah. don't know if he played another Klingon after this. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember when another Klingon would be on, other than in uh, Affliction and Divergence. Yeah, he definitely wasn't in that. Uh, he's got such a distinctive voice. So, so this, this that was such a small role in this Borderland episode as well. It's kind of... I know he's appeared already on Enterprise as a Klingon, um, but yeah. for me, it's kind of like pissing on your memory of Martok. <laughs> you know, it's kind of to come back and do such a small, a small role and just kind of reminds you that Trek sometimes just didn't get outside of its own bubble enough. Yeah. Um, so why, like, why do you have to get him back for that one moment when we all know his voice as well? Because he was playing such a key character. Um, mm-hmm. It's like getting, uh, you know, having, uh, oh gosh, uh, flipping names escape me now. Neelix. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, oh, Ethan, Ethan Phillips. Yes, Ethan Phillips. I was gonna, I keep, I had Ethan. I was like, it's not Ethan Peck. Why do I keep <laughs> thinking Ethan Peck? Ethan Phillips <laughs> uh, came back in season one as a Ferengi, and you know he had mm-hmm. uh, you had Odo um, and, in it, and it's just, it, yeah. I mean, I could rant about that. I phrase. think, I think also, or wait, no, I don't think Armin was in that one. Um, Jeffrey Combs did did do a Ferengi in, in that same episode. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and you know it was uh, a week or two later or before where yeah Odo uh, Renee yep. was in uh, was in an episode very clearly <laughs> the actor who plays Odo <laughs> you know yeah. when you're watching it so um, so yeah but I mean it is nice to always hear his voice though um, JG mm-hmm. so you know I'm just uh, I'm just sad that he's got so many other Klingons after Martok on him because I just thought Martok was a definitive character for him yeah well i guess say some people would say that that wayun was jeffrey combs's definitive character but true and we'll, now we'll he's, argue we'll yeah. argue tooth and nail that it's actually shran yeah i mean shran's the one he's probably more famous for amongst track fans isn't he even though enterprise is the show or at least for a long time was the one that fans were sort of less familiar with than ds9 yeah. i think more people know him a Shran, or at least more people know Shran, right? Than they do Wayun, uh, whether or not they even know it's the same actor. But uh, yeah, I think Shran's definitely the bigger, the bigger character. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, Hersler's could have potentially had a break breakout Klingon role still uh, that wasn't Martok. Yeah. So, but yeah. Anyways, yeah, we find you know we 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 are on this Klingon ship. They detect a another ship that has two human life signs on it. And we find out that these aren't your average humans. They dock the ship in with the Klingon ship, and they start to take these humans to the brig. And we, you know, they start to rough them up. But it turns out that the Klingons are the ones that get roughed up. Because yeah, then or the cold open kind of ends with these two humans storming into the bridge and killing the the rest of the entire bridge crew on this Klingon ship. That that's when we get to our you know. Season three and four credits, which we've already set our piece piece on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as we 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 get out, we actually are at a uh, prison in San Francisco, and we see yet yet another familiar Star Trek face that that has a visit from from Jonathan Archer. 
I guess I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. it. It was Brent Spiner playing yet another Soom. So this was actually I think only the second time he'd played you know an actual human Soom. But his... no, he's done it again since as well. The genes, yeah. on that side of the family, I must be yeah. really strong. <laughs> Because they, they've got to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think as well that uh, you know this soon, there's gonna he, he's still probably like, well, I don't know, three or four generations removed from uh, from Data's creator. He, so I'm trying to think, because it wouldn't have been it, it he wouldn't have been like uh, the dad of him, even though he started yeah. to work on uh, on the Android. So uh, yeah, I mean, those those genes have carried through incredibly oh, yeah. well. <laughs> So, um, but again, uh, in this, you know, Archer's like, you know, hey, there were some humans that attacked a Klingon ship, and uh, Eric Soom, which is which is this particular Soom, is like, oh wow, that's 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 kind of rough. And then Archer's like, well, they're humans, but they're not. And then that's when Soom's like, ah, okay, this is why you're here for me. So they want to go ahead and basically get him transferred from that prison onto Enterprise. We find out that one of these augmented humans, his name is Malik, which is the, the leader, pretty much, of, of, of the little landing party that overtakes the ship um, after we get some DNA sequencing and everything. And so they're on their way to kind of recapture these augments and take them back to Earth in order to prevent yet another deeper uh, Klingon war type situation. And then we kind of cut back to the Klingon ship with the augments. The actual leader of of, of Soong's quote-unquote children is uh, Rakim, actually, instead of and not Malik. And we kind of find that out, and there's a lot of political infighting and backstabbing amongst these, what, like 10 or so augments? Yeah, there's not many of them, is there? No, but they, they are able to do quite a bit of damage for just being, you know, basically a dozen people. Then, you know, as the Enterprise is trying to pursue these augments, they get attacked by the Orions here on here in, you know, the borderland, as as the the title episode title of the episode is. And about half a dozen of the crew gets taken in, in by the Orions and processed to be slaves. Basically they wind up working out a prison break for all of the Enterprise crew even after Topol gets sold into slavery to a Tellerite. Once they get everything all all taken, or, you know, get, gets everybody all back, the uh, the augments wind up taking Soong, and we did, they determine that they're heading to where the rest of the augment embryos from the 1990s are, are being stored. And that's kind of where we end the episode. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. End of part one. So, um, but yeah, so kind of getting into our, our, our discussion, kind of be a similar format to, to last week, uh, instead of giving you a specific amount of, of, uh, favorite scenes in this episode, I'll just kind of say a few. So what, what are a few of your, your favorite scenes from this one? Um, some of them aren't specifically scenes, but like moments. So, uh, I loved the, in the teaser, when the Klingons think they've got these, you know, these pesky humans, and they know they're stronger than humans, mm-hmm. uh, the Klingons themselves. But then, when uh, when suddenly the the augments start fighting them, 
and you see the shock on them because and there's like one kick i think yeah. it's a kick they do uh, and you see this klingon just sort of gets thrown i don't know man they're probably like clear down the, feet the corridor down the corridor yeah. and just that that shot and the way the klingon's body is uh getting pulled i guess on on uh, strings i just thought was brilliant um i really liked the uh scene around uh which is almost almost immediately after but not not quite uh, around the um the table at the back of the bridge when archers obviously pulled the crew back from from their shore leave and uh, you could kind of see hints in the background of the changes to the bridge like the blue carpets and things like that but uh, nothing to really uh, it, no big deal was made out of it but i just kind of liked how casual people were coming back from yeah. their time off for that and i guess my other favorite bits were um all down to Paul White, who was the big show. Um, yeah. When he was playing the uh, the Orion, who was like selling uh, selling off the crew, and it's really funny when you host Paul up because obviously she looks so small mm-hmm. next to him. But uh, he he was brilliant when uh, I can't remember the name of the Enterprise crew crewman who didn't go for much though. But uh, yeah. the big show was was just like what, just that much? That's barely enough to cover the cost of you know basically of, of kidnapping you and then uh a process in him and then yeah. uh, sell him off so i just thought everything with big show was great as well so those are kind of my um my favorite parts how about you do you have any sort of standout moments um definitely when when we meet uh soon the first time um i'm just gonna gonna t- tell you guys straight away um i definitely really enjoyed brent spiner in this one because at this point i had only seen him as pretty much movie data so oh, i didn't, yeah, cool. di- didn't really see anything with lore so i definitely thought this was great you know great with him you know being able to be more more himself and less you know robotic yeah yeah but uh yeah definitely enjoyed you know the them trying to get everybody back from the slave market um and you, you know like like you enjoyed the the stuff with big show um, and then just sort of the interaction between, uh, Soong and Phlox there, there towards the beginning. Oh yeah. And then when, uh, Soong is trying to sort of say that, uh, he's no different to Phlox really and the Denoblins for, you know, making changes to uh, genetic modifications, but, uh, right. Phlox points out that, you know, the evil that was done with them. With, with humans as opposed to the Noblins. Because this is the first time the eugenics war has been mentioned in, in years, I think, in yeah. Trek, isn't it? Because if you remember um, Future's End, was that the name of the two-parter of Voyager, season three, uh, uh, or something like that? Anyway, yeah. And they are in the 90s in that episode but... and with no mention, I think, of the right. eugenics. So fandom at that point had kind of gone along this idea that oh, we've kind of had to forget about that for the sake of um, the fact we've overtaken it. But it, it was always a big, for me, it was always a bit of a sticky point because whilst I understood that, you know, the eugenics wars gave Trek its most iconic villain um, mm-hmm. in Khan. So uh, I, lo- I really appreciated that Enterprise kind of just came back and said, no, the, the eugenics yeah. happened. Yeah, 30 million or whatever many it was, people died and and we have to just accept that that is what happened in the star trek timeline because now yeah. although we want it to be our our future star trek's timeline as a whole is now 
a fictional timeline. We're not saying that all this stuff happened in our real world, you know, which uh, I think is what a lot of Trek fans for the longest time wanted to think was that all this was in our future. Yeah. Uh, but we have to accept that it is a fictional universe. And so um, there's stuff that hasn't happened. You know, First Contact Day is probably going to pass without us actually meeting the Vulcans. Uh, I don't want to rule it out, but I don't think it's going right. to happen. Uh, yeah, it's there's going to be a lot of us that are going to be real disappointed when that happens too. But unlike so certain other people, I like certain other people. We weren't, we aren't going to keep pushing the dates back on, on certain things that we want to happen. <laughs> Slight dig there. Uh, if I am alive on first contact day, though, I think I'll be about 79 or something. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think that'd be about where, which where I, be at. yeah, I, I don't see me getting there, but, <laughs> uh, but it will be the day after my birthday. So I could be I could be an old um, an old man with a well would I even know it was my birthday the day before I don't know <laughs> but it, it might already have I might already have balloons and stuff up around my home and so if the Vulcans do show up I'll be ready to celebrate so yeah yeah so uh, so yeah what what was kind of your your absolute favorite of the ones that you listed off though oh it's definitely uh, when Big Show was really uh, really pissed off. How okay. little money the uh, the Starfleet officer yeah, bought in that that just moment for me was um, just stand out for me. Uh, but okay. you know, the, there's in the next two episodes actually there's some real, particularly the, the next episode. Uh, there's a lot of favorite moments and standout moments, completely related to the eugenics and the yeah. Augments storyline. But I just like the fun stuff that was in this one. Um, okay. And one moment, actually, I should I should mention uh, was when the Enterprise is relaunching, you know, when it's yeah. launching from from space dock, and finally this time they remember to take the astronauts out of the shot <laughs> from the exterior yeah. shot of them because they left them in there previously, and it just it just made the stock image <laughs> feel. It's it's as if they knew they'd cocked up on that, so they made a point yeah. of removing them in this one. Uh, but the look the crew all giving each other on the bridge when they're all, you know, leaving, uh, getting ready to leave uh, Space Dock. And Archer's kind of like, oh, well, you know, we're back here again. And he says, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way or, or right. something like that. But the looks they're all exchanging before, kind of, to me, they didn't look like happy looks of, yeah, we're glad to be going out again, exploring. It, it looked like people who'd just gone through all that Zindi stuff. Yeah, and that they were wanting, you know, a little bit more time. Yeah, didn't Earth. really want to be out there anymore. That's I know that that can't have been the intention, really, but all of them looked a bit solemn about the whole thing. And so when Archer specifically says, you know, I would, um, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way, it's, oh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, or whatever the line is. It, it kind of feels like that's not what <laughs> what anyone's <laughs> thinking at the time. They, uh, especially because his first mission out. Mm-hmm. Is not a a nice peaceful exploration one. They're they're back on it again. They're having to stop. Yeah, a potential war Sa- with the Klingons. Save Earth again. Kicking off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, literally, because the Klingons would would be coming after Earth, wouldn't they? So, I just thought we should mention that because that, that's just a really subtle moment that I don't know if I've ever taken that from before. But when I re- was rewatching the episode for for this discussion, I just noticed that, and it it felt real to me as well. You know, because. You know, if traumatic things happen in your job, particularly in that line of work, you're not always going to want to necessarily carry on with your job, but you got yeah. to. But 
but you know the enthusiasm's gone, and and that's something that was true anyway of the the NX01 crew, wasn't it? After the Zindi War, was that their enthusiasm for the mission was uh, was a bit battered and bruised. I yeah, think. And I, I thought that was on show in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely definitely feel it from there. As far as me for my absolute favorite, it's when Soong's trying to climb over that that wall, and he's got the his his little. Uh, handcuffs on and <laughs> then that, yeah. archer archer releases it right as he's about ready to swing back over and he falls to the <laughs> ground yeah yeah i forgot about that uh, that was a funny moment so yeah we've got tur- turns out we've got some more more disastrous contact here with the klingons which seems to be be a trope that they've put in here with with enterprise so do you, do you think they were starting to get overused by this point especially coming right back out of the zindi war <laughs> Um, I guess there's a fair argument to be made for, you know, the first normal episode after all of that uh, Zindi stuff and Temporal Cold War and the premiere and then it was straight into Home, which was like the epilogue to mm-hmm. um, season three. I guess there's an argument to be made for, God, Klingons straight away. But I don't think they were really overplayed in this. Yeah. And there's a, a kind of sense of familiarity that we you know we've seen so much new stuff in season three and we saw those new villains in episodes one and two of season four that there was kind of like a uh a comfort in okay. seeing the klingons again you know we hadn't seen them for over a season and it's like oh yeah we're back we're back home now we're back in the alpha quadrant yes the klingons and you know i'm not always a massive fan of klingon episodes uh, they don't always do it for me but that opening scene, I thought it made it very clear that these Orgmans, I don't well, we didn't know they were Orgmans at the time, but uh, we were very aware from them kicking the Klingons' asses uh, that, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that uh, something was amiss here. But uh, no, I don't, I don't think they're overdone. I think it, like, I'm a big fan of the Klingon arc from season two. Uh, okay. People always forget about it. Uh, you know, people will talk about Temple Cold War and then we had the... Uh, the Zindi arc. Well, no, it didn't go that way. We had the Temporal Cold War, and then we had the Klingon uh, and the Durus little mini arc, arc, yeah, which was yeah running through uh, the back half of season two, but kind of went kind of well the, the Durus side of it, no, but the Klingon side of it kind of went all the way to Marauders at the start of season two. So mm-hmm. there was that Klingon arc uh, in there, which uh, which I really enjoyed. So uh, I was I kind of feel like. We forget it because we think of the Zindian stuff, but you know Archer was really involved with the Klingons from day one. Like I feel like Archer's legacy is almost connected to the Klingons, almost as much as Kirk. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I know Kirk yeah. lost his son and everything with them, but you know Archer went to Ruripenthe. Uh, Archer made first contact, uh, dip, well, first diplomatic contact with the Klingons, and had positive run-ins, bad run-ins. Was there when the uh, the issues with the uh, the change in appearance of the Klingons. And yeah. uh, so, no, I didn't think they were overused, I've got to be honest, mate. And I think it just, all these little moments sort of build towards where Discovery is a hundred years later and these two species just don't get along. I feel like it just gives history to all of that. Do, do you think okay. they were overplayed at this point? Um, I guess they kind of, kind of plan off your, you know, wanting familiarity coming off of, you know, the Zindi, Zindi arc. 
I think had the focus been more on the Orion side of things, you know, like pretty much just been like, you know, they were going up against the Orions exclusively instead of the, the Klingons. I don't think it would have been that much different for the rest of season four, uh, considering, you know, even even though we did have Affliction and Divergence later on, I think probably a way to get around that in, you know, and still using just the Orions in this was that the Klingons heard about these augmented humans and then decided to try to augment themselves. Yeah, I'd kind of forgotten that bit, actually, because realistically, yeah, the only reason it is the Klingons in the teaser is to set up uh, that storyline later in the season, isn't it? And yeah. yeah, as you said, you could have actually done it by the Klingons just coming across this, uh, the DNA uh, side of things and maybe it would have worked more as just an orion story with the augments it would have felt really um really fresh i give you that uh yeah i guess they could have done it that way it didn't need to be the klingons but i think it was an attempt to give some history to the arc when we would revisit it later okay. in the season I, I, so i, I kind of see why they did it but you are right it didn't need to be klingons it could it could have just been the orions and it would have probably tied in a bit better to the fact the Orions attack uh, the Enterprise later and become the main villains yeah. of the episode. Now, now, do you think, you know, this kind of, you know, helps push the plot not only for this arc, but the rest of season four longer, or does it hurt it? What, the, in the sense of the, like, the the Augment arc with the Klingons and using the, yeah. the science? I think that at the time you don't think anything of it, but when you get to those two episodes later in the season and you realize they're calling back to this Augment's arc, I think it just adds to it. Um, it, it connects the season. Yeah. You know, season four, I think, it, it reminds you that everything was deliberate in season four. You know, they, yeah. they sat down, plotted the season, and then started writing scripts. You know, and then that's why we're saying that's why it was the Klingons in the teaser, because they needed to, to set up the Klingons doing what they were doing in the Klingon two-parter. So um, I think it's uh, I think it helped. Um, you don't know it at the time, but you do later okay. uh, when you get to the two power. So so kind of kind of using more more of a modern storytelling. Yeah, planting seeds, planting seeds. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and, and you know now now that you're kind of bringing st- this this sort of thing up, you know I I do get you know that it does help help push the the plot forward, but you know there again like like I was saying you know it could have been. You know, no Klingons, just Orions, and the Klingons still find out about the augments or the human augments and kind of do their own experiments. Yeah, they could have they could have very easily done it that way, couldn't they? Then now, you know, kind of transitioning into the Orions, what what did you think of you know the slave market and the the Orions actually becoming more involved in Enterprise? Well, at this point, we obviously didn't know that we were going to get um, uh, more of them later in the season in Bound, mm-hmm. is it? I'm trying to remember the name of the episode. I think so, yeah. Um, and then we were going to get the twist about how it's the women who... Um, who are actually in control. Yeah, right, run the society. I think um, you were probably more excited than me because you were a, a TOS fan for many a year before mm-hmm. you would have uh, seen this episode. Uh, I was familiar with the Orions because of... Um, you know, we remember the Orion slave girls in Trek. You couldn't yeah. see... You couldn't see an advert, even back then, uh, you know, in the early noughties, you couldn't see an advert for all of Trek without the Orion Slave Girls appearing <laughs> as, a, in a, as a clip in it, you know. 
which really it was just uh, Vina. Most of them were just Vina being, you know, made to look like an Orion and not an actual Orion, which would have come in uh, Whom Gods Destroy with uh, Garth of Izar. Yeah, so um, the yeah, there you go. There's your there's your history there. So you would have loved it. <laughs> I I liked it though. I mean, I'm um, always been a fan of the Slave Girl look, obviously, as a man. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was nice to have him. I thought it was nice to get this big imposing villainous threat that wasn't the Klingons, as you said, because uh, mm-hmm. because we all love to see the humans trying to fight the Starfleet officers trying to fight against the bigger, stronger. Um, more muscular bully so I liked it and I, I thought it was seeing the auction and things like that I think that it was another one of those reminders like we spoke last week about Rigel 10 and that uh, mm-hmm. feeling that there was just this whole alien society going on in the Alpha Quadrant that Starfleet was not a part of yet yeah which, wasn't a part which of yet. you know now that, now that you brought that up, you know, that whole market area kind of reminded me of the market area we went through in Broken Bow. Yeah. On Rigel 10. Yeah, definitely. And I'm all about that vibe. Or no, it wasn't Rigel 10. It was a different planet. But yeah. Yeah. So I think that uh, for me, it was, uh, yeah, I enjoyed having him in there. And I would have loved to have seen what role they would have played uh, if the show had gone in for a fifth, sixth and yeah, uh, 17s. Because I have a feeling that Manny Koto was trying to set them up to become a regular uh, villain on the show, which uh, would make yeah. sense as well. Because you know, without a policing body like the Federation slash Starfleet, uh, you would imagine the Orion Syndicate would be they, uh, owning the running amok. Uh, as they, as we know, they did when the Federation eventually fell uh, later on. Yeah, they just as the Emerald Chain. Of course, they had like Andorian now, but the first thing that happens when the Federation fell, the Orions ascended right to <laughs> yeah. So, I guess that's what the quadrant was like at this point. So it was nice to see it. Yeah, so uh, kind of you know doing a little bit of a, a directed tangent on this. Were you much of a wrestling fan back in the day, and did you recognize Big Show right away? <laughs> well, I got, see, I've got an interest in uh, relationship with wrestling, um, so. Uh, and just on the point of Big Show, uh, Paul White, who, uh, who is the Big Show, uh, Big Show being his WWE name, uh, Paul White just yesterday, as we are recording this, uh, made uh, a big appearance in All Elite Wrestling, AEW, uh, in the okay. US, uh, as one of their big signings. So he's been relevant even now, 15 years or uh, maybe 16 years after this episode aired for the first time. Um I knew who Big Show was, but mm-hmm. uh, I had been a diehard WWF fan um, long before this episode aired. And, and then I fell out of it uh, when I was about 16 and had to start working. I just couldn't keep yeah. up with it anymore. But I used to love Stone Cold and The Rock, you know, um, Rikishi, Undertaker, uh, Triple H, I, I despise Triple H. I loved The Rock and the <laughs> Triple H storyline. You know, I loved seeing The Rock appearing in uh, The Mummy Returns. I went to go watch him in yeah. The Scorpion King. Yeah, I, I was a big fan, and uh, but I dropped out. So in when this aired in 2004, 2005, um, I wasn't wrestling at that point. I don't even think I knew what was going on in it. And, and uh, But I knew Big Show because I'd obviously seen okay. him. Previously, uh, so but if you were to fast forward three years to two thousand eight, um, 
Royal Rumble. It was my first wrestling event I watched for years because my mates were watching it and getting drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that started a love affair that is still going on now uh, with wrestling. Okay. I don't I don't watch WWE anymore. It's not for me. It's um, it's too uh, it, it's it's too aimed at children now. Uh, but uh, AEW and uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, Progress Wrestling. You know, I'm, if if there are WWE fans listening to this, if you watched any of like the UK uh, stuff, like the UK tournaments, I'm there in the front row, uh, all over your TV screen. <laughs> I was on the adverts; they were running on American TV. Uh, you could see the shots of me just with like uh, the British flag and um, things like that, the Union flag. Sorry. So um, yeah, so yeah. Big wrestling fan then, but not at the time that this okay. episode aired. Yeah, I'm gonna say for me, um, I've I haven't really I wouldn't really consider myself a fan. Just sort of more of you know I know who who certain people are, and that's really about it. So I really didn't know who Big Show was. Didn't really make the connection when I watched it. You know, actually about the time you were getting back into wrestling. So yeah, it's 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 funny as well because you would only use wrestlers i think uh, for those roles because yeah when you see wrestlers around other wrestlers on tv you see they look muscular and um you know and they've got big physiques but you don't realize how big they are until they're stood next to someone who's not a wrestler yeah until you get them next to linda park or jolene blaylock <laughs> oh yeah yeah and, and big show is one of the biggest wrestlers he actually um i can't remember what the name of it is. i don't know if it's called giantism or something but you know he uh, uh he had an operation when he was younger to uh, to stop that happening with him so he yeah. you know he was actually on the brink of becoming a giant like uh, as like was the andre. case with with andre yeah uh, andre had the exact same condition but uh, it wasn't treated uh, so andre the giant was just this beast of a man uh, but big show uh, in the bless him and, and yeah he's still relevant even now he just had a show on netflix last year called the big big show okay uh, so check it out guys cancel that's one season yeah. though so <laughs> it's not yeah. a long commitment <laughs> so Kind of, kind of a side note here with this. How, how, how did you like that? Like when we did our last writers room, we included uh, Chris Jericho as as a as an Orion. Always a fan of Chris Jericho. Uh, every version of him uh, as well. He's one of the best. Uh, oh god, he's just one of the best in the business in wrestling. So um, yeah, and he's funny in acting on TV. I've seen uh, seen him in a lot of his like his own stuff he did for YouTube a couple of years ago. Uh, I can't remember okay. what he called it, but. Uh, so yeah, Chris Chris Jericho in Star Trek would have been fantastic. All right, and he's still kicking ass now, even though he's like fifty years old. He's still kicking ass. So okay, let's let's kind of kind of circle back to Brent Spiner and, and his uh, performances, Eric Soon. So what what are your your thoughts on on Brent's performance here? Well, it's funny because obviously Brent has uh, Brent Spiner. Sorry, I'm saying Brent as if we're best friends. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Mr. Spiner has played so many other roles in star trek uh, related to data without being data that mm-hmm. th- there's stuff in eric soon that maybe is hard to distinguish him as a uh, completely separate character because okay. you know if ever data's acting out a character he's more expressive um, he's yeah. a bit more crazy and stuff and i, I think eric soon had that but what he had that I think was a bit different to other characters that Brent Spiner played in Star Trek was that there was a definite, a definite sense of humanity to Arik Soong, I think, 
uh, that isn't there in some later ones um, that we see, we see Brent Spiner play. I, th- I think there was a um, a real parent vibe to him in this. Uh, I know he gets nastier as the episodes go on, particularly the next one uh, we'll talk about next week. But um, yeah, I really got that sort of parent vibe from him and and almost that regret for time he's lost with the augments as well. Uh, that that came through for me. So almost like a little somber, the performance as well. So he had, he had those typical Brent Spiner um, arrogance and stuff that he can bring on a character. But at the same time, there was like a a sadness to I think to the portrayal that wasn't in other ones he played. Um, but okay. you know, I do have other things I want to say. But I know from your notes what we're going to come on to. <laughs> so I don't okay. want to sort of spoil that as we're going into it. But we'll get into that I guess in a few minutes. Okay. Um yeah, I gotta say I, I absolutely loved loved the loved his performance in this. Um I think after after, after one of the few first few times I had seen this, it was back when Twitter was first first up and going. And I think I actually tweeted at him, you know, saying that how I love how much I loved it. I don't think he liked it or said anything else or anything back to me, but you know. It's very similar though, isn't it, to his uh his descendant. That he plays in Picard, mm-hmm. Star Trek yes. Picard. Uh, as I'm thinking it now, I'm like, wow, yeah, I think he played it almost exactly the same, um, but a bit yeah. more good-natured. Uh, you know, he wasn't he wasn't evil. Yeah, that, the, the yeah, it wasn't quite as quite as sinister. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, now, now, do you think uh, the way that he did this was sort of consistent with with what we had seen of Noonien Sung? Um. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've not seen anything with uh, Noonien Soong for a long time. Um, I haven't quite got to, on my rewatch for her first Trek, a Star Trek review podcast, I haven't got to any of his episodes yet. Uh, we've met uh, a certain other android uh, in our rewatch, but we haven't uh, we haven't met Data's dad yet. Uh, so I couldn't, I couldn't really tell you completely on there, but I do think that, okay. you know, when he's not playing Data, uh, Brent Spiner has... There's a Brent Spiner sort of character he plays, which I I think runs through all of his characters. Even Data, you know, the, Data in the first half of season one is very different to the Data uh, that's even in the second yeah. half of season one of TNG. Yeah, because he's more expressive in those early ones. He's a bit more jokey and uh, all these things, and a bit more quirkier. Um, and and even you know, second half season one Data is different than you know movie Data. Oh yeah, I mean you can't even. You wouldn't even think it was the same character, uh, yeah. in truth. But that was part of trying to sort of discover who Data was uh, as an actor. You know, for for Brent mm-hmm. Spiner, he was trying to uh, crack that. And I think the writers were trying to work out what they wanted Data to be as well. So, um, so uh, yeah, I, I think he was. I think there's consistency right across the board there. Um, okay. I think Brent Spiner just knows these characters like the back of his hand yeah. now, and I think he he just has a certain way of playing them. You know. I, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Now onto the to the one that we've been uh, alluding to. How how much of lore could you see in in Eric here? Oh God, he's very similar, isn't he? He mm-hmm. he is for me. This is kind of what I wanted to get at um, a few minutes ago. He is lore, but with the human side in my mind, like as in. Okay. Law still always thought he was better than humans, but that he was yeah. closer to he was closer to human than, say, data, but that he was better than humans. 
And I don't think that Arik soon thinks he is better than humans. He want, he wants to make something that is better, uh, a better version of humanity. So he's still got like that human side, and he hasn't got the arrogance, I guess, that Law had. But otherwise, you could see if you'd found out that that it was Arik soon who who had uh, who had built Law, you wouldn't be surprised. I think like you, yeah. you'd see the traits there straight away. So yeah, I could see it. He he's he's much closer to law than he is to data anyway, or or uh, before. Okay, yeah, yeah. Going off that, you know, definitely, definitely see see lore in in a lot of you know how how he treats sort of other humans that you know aren't part of his his little group of children here. But yeah, so uh, what are some of your final thoughts on on this portion of our of our augment arc? Well, I always get excited with it because it, it's the start of it's like the restart of Enterprise after the Zindi storyline. Um, you know, the ship looks a little different inside, and, um, and all those little sort of um, window dressing changes. But you know, it was the yeah. first time they were doing one of these three parters. They would go on to do another two um, after this. I think it's two uh, off the top of my head, and. So there's a pacing thing, you know, it's it's always hard in the three part of getting your your pacing right. But I enjoyed it. It was nice to see familiar faces like the Klingons and uh, on the grand scheme of track, the, the Orions <laughs> and soon, yeah. And, um, you know, the, I, I'm not so keen on the scenes with the augments. Um, okay. But I've, I've been like that as well with like Ratha Khan. <laughs> Do you know, like yeah. I just for some reason I don't, because it's such um it's, it's that whole toxic masculinity thing isn't it and and, uh, and it and it is a bit unsettling because at least to me it's like you know the that kind of you know acting or that or you know that, that kind of those kind of traits are in us and it, it just sort of unnerves you a little bit yeah because I think. and, and that, that's the whole thing isn't it of the of the eugenic wars and how it started you know they're just trying to make us better, make us stronger, you know, control mm-hmm. some of our traits, but it brings out our nasty side so much yeah. quicker and an arrogance that comes with being stronger. And I, I know it's not just isolated to the male characters uh, in no. the cast, you know, but uh, it is, you know, they're very driven by their testosterone and uh, things. And yeah. uh, I, it, I guess what you could say is it feels a bit dated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I and I get it, yeah, they're basing it on something from the 60s. I understand that. But it just, even now when you watch it on a show like Enterprise, it just feels a little dated, that portrayal. But at the same time, I kind of yeah. like, like it. It's just those scenes for me were of the least interest yeah. uh, than uh, the rest of it. And since, since you know, even, even though you can tell that they're clearly not related... They were all raced together, so you still got that, you know, little hint of incest in between, yeah. you know, the all of them, and it's which is interesting though, because you know when you I say interesting, illegal, but but you know when you <laughs> think of uh, history and just with animals and stuff as well, that you know when you're trying to breed breed them, you try to keep the good uh, the strong bloodlines right together and such, so. It makes sense that these augments, even though they kind of lived an isolated life anyway, um, but they would only look to each other for um, for procreation and, and things like that mm-hmm. because uh, they wouldn't want to introduce weaker genes into their uh, into their gene pool. Uh, 
I guess. Yeah. And um, you know that 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 child or even that that lover would be a target for the other ones, I guess. Because yeah, it would be it would be spoiling uh, spoiling the pool, wouldn't it? So um, I hadn't even thought of that really as you <laughs> until you mentioned it. But that feels realistic to to how we know creatures in the wild behave so um yeah i can d- and they are just animals aren't they they're animalistic essentially you know they yeah. uh, once one strong second in command rises to that level when they feel ready they try to tackle the um the, the leader and- the leader and do you think actually there's some similarities uh, between augments uh, and like the mirror universe the terrans oh definitely yeah, they're like the Terrans, aren't they? With the with the, obviously yeah. superpowers. <laughs> but, yeah, um, and but, you and know, you know, know not affected by by bright lights. Yeah, um, but I guess it kind of shows that even humans, are, you know, not that far away from being Terrans and behaving like them. Uh, yeah, you know, there's there's not the complete viciousness uh, and I guess uh, slyness of the Terrans, uh, the devious, aren't they? Whereas I think the augments are more just it's in your all, face about yeah it. they're in your face and they just uh sew up their own ass they love their muscles they're going to kiss the guns yeah. and then they're going to throttle you <laughs> uh but uh which you know the terrans aren't going to do the terrans are going to stick a knife in your back but um yeah i, I do see similarities uh, there with them but as for my other final thoughts i thought it was a really good setup episode um yeah you get to the end of it and you're wondering it, like there's a lot of stuff that goes on this episode that isn't connected in the grand scheme so the yeah. stuff with the Orions and all that stuff. But I thought it did a good job of just building the world and reintroducing us to the uh, to the Alpha Quadrant we know, or at least what we're familiar with, uh, as opposed yeah. to the Delphic Expanse. So uh, I like it. I It's always in my mind when I think of season four, this episode. Um, is it the best one of the arc? Well, I guess we'll have to answer that in two more weeks <laughs> once we've yeah. gone through them all but i do think it's uh, a significant episode in enterprise i think how about you um how do you feel as a whole about this episode um yeah i guess I, like, like you're saying you know definitely a great table setter for for the next two episodes um i don't really think there were many points where it was slow on its own right um maybe you know you know sort of once they were getting going and all that but after that it was you know it was. It wasn't too, you know, action packed, but yet it wasn't slow. You know, it was, mm. it was, it, they found that they found the happy medium in this one. Um, and you know, I I always, you know, you know, really enjoy this one, and you know, kind of lets us know how maybe things happened on uh, SETI Alpha Five before before it blew up, or well, before the sun, you know, blew up SETI Alpha Six. So, yeah, well, you're a TOS fan. I mean, how do you feel about? this arc as a whole and do will you do you feel it I, adds to the the Khan story i think i think it does it, it definitely definitely helps you know kind of understand maybe a little kind of maybe i would say you know humanizes them maybe just a little bit more than than you know what we saw in you know wrath of Khan and and spacey but you know definitely you know see that that they are a quiet they they there's there's quite the similarity between how the augments would be and how the Terran Empire is. So. Mm, yeah, definitely. 
The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by Chris Hill and myself, Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow NX01Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find Chris Hill on Twitter at the Chris Hill and myself on Twitter at Kyle Thomas West. To join the Holosuit Media Community Discussion Group, simply type the Nexus into the Facebook search bar and we'll see you there. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Her First Trek, a Star Trek review podcast. For the first time ever, this is a breakthrough moment, okay? You ready? Oh, gosh, okay. Can I swear? Yes. I give a shit about one of the characters, which is nice, because I don't normally. Which character do you give a shit about? O'Brien. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I thought it was mighty decent of him what he did, and he knew that he could have gotten in trouble, and he seems quite a loyal person to have aboard your space station. He's a decent guy. Yeah. He's Irish. Um, Yeah. A lot of Irish people are decent guys. I haven't met that many Irish people. I met loads. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Random Trek Review, a Star Trek review podcast. Okay, well, it's one of those things where, like, you would expect, like, as medical history gets better and everything, like, life expectancy gets longer. Just like we've experienced in our own kind of world and planet, right? Like, it's way better now than it was 50 years ago versus 100 versus 200, so. Versus 5,000 years ago where you'd be lucky to live to, like, 30? Yeah, exactly. We'd already be done and dusted, my friend. Well, or we'd be super old. Right, we'd be like the village elders. <laughs> Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Ladies Trek Library, a podcast by women with a passion for Star Trek books. The author of this book, Dana Kramer Rolls, this is the only Star Trek book she's ever written, which would explain why I've never okay. read anything from her before. Yeah, I heard that she did write some other sci-fi books, but no other Star Trek. Yeah. And she does seem like like she's a fan. It seems from the way she handled the characters, I I would say she is a fan of Star Trek. Yeah, I definitely got the feeling that she was a fan um, and knew the characters. She has a PhD in folklore and history of religions. Cool. So that makes sense. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.